Hi everyone, and welcome to this, our third podcast episode on leadership. My name is Jan Alford, and I'll once again be your host. Last week, we talked about gaining leadership skills at the clinical level. Today, pod, today's podcast will concentrate on gaining leadership skills at a national or state level. And I'm very pleased to welcome Tracy Allen to this podcast. I'm sure you will all be aware that Tracy was president of ADEA from 2012 to 2016. She's a registered nurse working in Melbourne and first became credentialed in 2000. Tracy has been a member of ADEA since 1990 and has participated in numerous committees and working groups. Hi Tracy, welcome and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Jan. Um, it's lovely to have the opportunity to catch up and to be participating in this important podcast. We might start, we've got a few questions to go through, so I'll start with the first one if that's all right. Tracy, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to the ADEA President's role? Thanks, Jan. Um, I, I suppose that the journey to the President's role for me was um, quite a long and convoluted one, um, but very enjoyable and, um, and uh, a great learning experience nonetheless. Um, I've always been interested in how nurses and other health professionals can have a voice on issues that concern them, whether the issue is about improving care or advocating for better services for, for clients and patients. Um, things like policy direction or even more personal issues such as work paying conditions. My first experience with um, any sort of professional association was in Queensland in the mid-1980s and um, I joined a community nursing special interest group which was with the um, ANF at the time, it's now the ANMF. Um, and the special interest group executive ran the networking and educational meetings and I came on to that group as a um, an interested member. Um, so I got some experience around networking and, and running of meetings and that sort of thing at, at that point. And later I became a, a workplace representative with the Queensland Nurses Union. Um, so that the motivating factor for me in that situation was really the disconnection in staffing paying conditions between hospital and um, community-based services. Um, and this was something that moved me to become more industrially active. So again, um, another opportunity to really build on the experience and and learn some different skills about you know being an advocate um, speaking up in meetings and those sorts of issues if i look specifically at diabetes care um, i suppose the first prompt for me was really when i was doing my nursing training and um, uh, as i was finishing my final year with that my, one of my family members was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and so i started to, to have an interest when i think back around that point then as i my career path moved to community nursing i realized that lots of the people i was seeing had type 2 diabetes and and there wasn't a lot of information around for these people and many of them had never had any diabetes education and that got me thinking about how I might contribute to improving that situation. Um, so I was prompted to go off and do some additional training myself, uh, did that with my employer and was actually introduced to the ADEA as part of that five-day course. From there, from memory, I think I joined ADEA, ADEA initially about 1989 or early 90. The memory's getting a bit dim about exactly when. And um, branch meetings at that point were in Brisbane. And uh, Jan, you'll recall this, the communication was by post fax or landline telephone. We didn't have the, the lovely um, 
internet and, and mobiles, etc., that we've got these days, um, I can still remember sticking stamps on envelopes to send information out to members at that point. So yes, yeah, so from that from that sort of small beginning, I um, became more and more interested in uh, how organisations ran, um, particularly um, professional associations, and how they represented the interests for their members, but also the impact that it had for other people in the health system. So other health professionals and workers, and also, of course, the, the patients and clients that we worked with. Um, a little while after that, um, the ADEA National Council representative for Queensland resigned, and I took up the role temporarily. Uh, I can safely say at that point that in terms of understanding what the ADEA did to support diabetes education, I think I had a fairly good grounding. I really didn't understand how a national organisation worked and what the skill mix and responsibilities um, were in, involved for a national level representative. What I did understand was that without the national organisation and that level of commitment, that people with diabetes and the healthcare professionals caring for them wouldn't have the voice and the advocacy in place. And, and that made the, um, the organisation very important. I left ADEA, oh, that ADEA role when I returned to Melbourne in 91. Um, as you're aware, if you're in that national level position and you left the state, um, uh, moved out of that area, then you were required to um, resign from the position. And um, when I got back to Melbourne, I started my graduate certificate in diabetes education uh, at Deakin and then went on to do a post-reg bachelor's degree. So um, having come back to Melbourne, I uh, started looking at my opportunities to, um, to work with associations again. And I actually uh, became a job representative with the Australian Nursing Federation again, and then served a total of nine years on the um, ANF Victorian Branch Council, including some time on the executive. I had a break from any ADEA-related positions, but when I returned to ADEA um, after a year or two, I actually uh, opted to nominate for a position on the Victorian branch executive and then served in a number of different roles before becoming the branch chair of Victorian branch for two terms. Um, and then I suppose in terms of progression, the next step was to the ADEA board and I was elected as a director to the board in 2008-9. So that's kind of a potted overview. And as I said, it's a, a bit convoluted, but um, I think it shows that, you know, um, it's about developing your experience from a number of different pools and um, having, having the opportunities, I suppose, or taking up the opportunities to investigate positions where you've got an interest and um, you're looking to provide some input and commitment to an organisation. Thanks, Tracy. I, I have to agree with you. I think uh, many of us came from very convoluted backgrounds to the organisation and then have been there ever since. And I must say, I had fond memories of being secretary of ADEA and bribing my daughter to put stamps on letters and <laughs> so on. So, the age of technology has changed the roles somewhat. I was wondering, I mean, obviously what you've already talked about demonstrates this to some extent, but how did you develop the skills necessary to form as president of ADA specifically? Was there anything you did specifically around that? Well, looking back over, over the breadth of um, 
of the different areas and roles that I took up, I think the main thing that I that I could probably glean from you know reviewing the history, so to speak, is that I learned from observing those working in leadership roles in nursing, in diabetes care, in medicine, in industrial relations, and um, I sort of came to the realization that there's really many different types of leader. Um, that the personalities of leaders were all quite different and their mix of skills varied as well. Um, the other critical point was that although people were in a leadership role, every one of them was actually part of a much broader team and they all worked together for common goals. And I took different um, ideas and concepts and inspiration, I suppose, from, from these different leaders and they all inspired me in different ways. Um, I have to say, sometimes I deliberately seek the chance to, to share experiences or to talk with leaders if, if the opportunity presented itself. And sometimes I was just in the right place at the right time and I happened to, to, to get the opportunity to speak with people and learn from them. Um, I, I promise I wasn't stalking people. Um, but the, the thing was I needed to to develop that understanding, I suppose, in order to try and realise the potential of what I could perhaps offer from my own mix of skills and approach in a leadership role. Um, and another thing that I realised, um, you know, probably midway through this whole progression was that I would need to get some more formal education. Um, I opted for the university path, but there's a number of ways in which you can, can look at skill and knowledge development. Um, I felt I needed to get some more formal educational training to make my the best of the contribution that I was able to make. So that, that was important for me um, personally. Um, I also took up opportunities to be on working groups and committees, um, whether at work or with ADEA or other associations, to help facilitate that process of, of growing my knowledge and skill development. Listening to me talking about the situation, it sounds like it could have been a, a planned campaign, but in fact, I didn't actually seek to be in the president's role and I don't think a lot of people um, do seek specifically to step into the president's role. I think it's a case of developing into the role over time. Um, I'm naturally a bit shy and reserved. I don't tend to put myself forward a lot. Um, and I think I would have been terrified if somebody had said to me when I first joined the ADEA board that I might in fact end up taking on the role of president. Um, it was a matter of thinking about the job being an important one in terms of being a director on the board, about the contribution that you could make for the development of the organisation, um, promoting diabetes education and um, assisting your colleagues in being able to achieve their professional goals. Um, and, and going back to that point of realising that you're always there as part of a team, so you're not working as an individual, you're really there to help work with the group um, and to look at the achieving those goals as a group. Again, looking at how I went about the skill development side, if I didn't understand an issue, um, I, I'm a reading person, so I would go back and I'd read um, information, I'd gather what I could about particular issues, I'd discuss them with colleagues and, and other directors, and I'd learn about those issues to the best of my ability. Um, I did mention some of the formal studies that I did. So um, part of that was as a, um, a grade certain health service administration. But the bits that I found particularly helpful out of that was that there was a unit on clinical leadership and there were some units on understanding um, health finances and economics. 
Um, and in note that particular unit, I got lots of information around things like um, reading and understanding a balance sheet, understanding how finances of organisations worked. And I think that was very helpful from, from um, a board perspective as well. And you can, of course, get lots of that information now, thank, thankfully, from, from the internet. Um, you know, that those sorts of um, education processes are quite useful. Thanks, Tracy. I must admit, uh, I was president a little before your time, but um, I only wish I'd had some of those resources uh, available when I took on the role, because like you, I didn't go on specifically to become president. That was a somewhat uh, surprise that came along later. <laughs> Just if I could drill down a little bit then, perhaps in terms of asking you, what do you think uh, the key skills that a CDE needs to develop if they are considering a more active role at a state or national level for that matter? Jane, I think that um, a lot of the key skills that you need are things that you can develop through both your professional practice as a CDE um, and also through taking up opportunities um, within the ADEA. So uh, if I was to go through um, the key skills that I think would contribute, the first one would be the ability to network. Um, you need to be able to talk and listen to others from a range of healthcare settings um, and be able to use those opportunities to get a broader perspective effectively. Um, that kind of leads into the next issue, which is around representation. So when, when we go into a committee or a working group, irrespective of you know, whether it's in a work environment with the ADEA or in some other setting, um, part of why we're there is not only to represent our personal perspective, um, that should be, um, you know, part of the consideration, but it's not the primary consideration. The primary consideration when you're on a working group is talking to represent the views and perceptions of others. Um, and usually, um, you know, that, that could involve, you know, putting together some information and presenting a report or, or looking at particular findings from some activities that you've done. Um, that concept of being able to represent others' um, views and interests, not only your personal views, is a really critically important one when you're looking at things like um, uh, performing at the national level. Um, again, um, another key, key skill would be um, actual meeting-related skills. So um, understanding the preparation that goes around having meetings, um, participation in meetings and the importance of giving everybody the opportunity to have a voice, um, effective time management. Um, Jan, you would probably have a, um, uh, some fond recollections of board meetings running over time. I know we had a few that happened whilst I was on the board and trying to you know, keep to that time scale and give all of the important items on the agenda the priority that they require. Um, and the other skill relating to meetings is, of course, chairing meetings. And again, these are skills that you can um, develop, uh, you know, whether it's in a, a workplace type meeting or whether it's in an ADEA setting. Um, and there are also lots of resources around these days to help you develop those skills. Um, collaboration and consultation. Um, and in this situation, I'm thinking not only about the, the peers or the working group that you're with, but also with um, more senior colleagues, um, 
uh, with other health professionals and with internal and external leaders from other areas. So the ability to work across a range of different groups of people who have different understandings and have different backgrounds and be able to um, see that diversity and work with that diversity. Um, working with a team is another important skill. Um, uh, learning about getting the best from each individual within a team, agreeing on common goals, and also uh, dealing with problems that might arise in interactions within a team. And all of us would have had experiences through our, through our work or, um, you know, outside of work with working with a group of others and how to best work together to get the outcomes that you're all looking for. Um, the ability to be flexible and responding to change and challenges. Uh, we all know that change is a constant in everything that we do these days and so we need to be flexible about the way we reduce, uh, we approach things, um, but not to be um, losing sight of our goals and our principles at the same time. And the other point um, that I'd like to talk about as a key skill is never stop learning. Um, always approach situations as though you can gain something from them for your own personal professional development. Um, look for opportunities and it's not just about formal learning, it's about looking at, in a range of other areas to, um, to pick up those skills, develop and uh, I have to say um, health professionals are probably in a, a good place to do that because for most of us uh, that's part of our our whole approach to our professional practice. You know, you, you never stop learning and developing. It's always going to be a constant. So you can take that and then apply it to a broader area. So I think that's some of the, the key things that I think you really need at the national level. Um, and ADEA provides lots of opportunities to help um, develop and, and enhance these skills. So branch meetings, um, local and national conference committees, working groups, um, and some of the um, specific committees like course accreditation and credentialing, um, they're all really good opportunities to develop and hone skills. Thanks, Tracy. I think that's a, a really nice summary and, and I can certainly relate to all of those at various times in my career in terms of developing those skills. So I'd just like you to, to perhaps look back for me and, and think about how has your experience at that national level contributed to your personal and career development in your practice as a CDE? I think I'd have to say the experience that you gain at the national level of ADEA is invaluable in personal and professional development. Um, you work with a really dedicated team at national office led by the CEO. You meet with colleagues in diabetes education with different health professional backgrounds, practice settings and geographic locations. Um, you have, um, you know, the group of board directors that you work with as well as the um, state executives, um, the, the committee chairs. There's a whole range of people that you, you interact with who work across the profession of diabetes education. And your understanding of um, organisations and networks increases exponentially. Um, depending on the type of national role, you, you might meet and work with, for example, um, health department officials, uh, representatives from other health professional associations, federal and state ministers of health, opposition spokespeople, 
um, international colleagues, every interaction is a chance to learn and engage. Um, you get a national level understanding of health policy and the key issues impacting diabetes care that you perhaps don't get a full perspective of um, from just a, a clinical um, view. Um, you can contribute to ADEA policy development and key position statements. Um, I suppose uh, confidence and, and capabilities, personal confidence and capabilities improve. I found that that, that um, for me it was a real um, expansion of that area. Um, and it also impacts on the sorts of career options that you have. Uh, so from uh, working uh, in a clinical practice focused area, um, so as a clinical nurse consultant in diabetes with the organisation I'm employed with, uh, it then encouraged me to think about, well, how can I contribute in different ways within my organisation to, to utilise the skills and knowledge um, and uh, interactions, et cetera, that I've built up through my experiences with ADEA. I find that um, from an organisational perspective, if I think about where I'm currently employed, I found it very helpful to know how a board works, what the responsibilities of directors are, um, how the board interacts with the CEO and how the CEO uh, interacts with other levels of management. Um, things like how to read and interpret financial balance sheets so you're able to understand um, the, the uh, uh, pressures etc on your organization and how um, budgets are worked out I mean that all of that stuff affects your role within a health organization um, and the other thing I think is that employers notice and look for people who've got the sets of capabilities and skills that that, that are senior um, representational role with ADEA can bring because uh, most employers understand that those sorts of skills and capabilities bring benefits to their organisation. So they're likely to look at um, opportunities to utilise your, your skills and knowledge within, within that employed situation. Um, if I look at my current work role, so I've, I've moved from having um, a, a clinical focus I've moved from being state-based to nationally focused and I use the knowledge and skills I gained in my volunteer roles with ADEA literally every week. Um, as a CDE, it's helped me to understand the changing health policy environment and how it's likely to influence my own practice as well as the practice of my colleagues and the sorts of outcomes that we can get for clients and patients. Um, and I do things like use the publications from ADA to support advocacy at work for client and resident care, as well as a way to push for better staff support to deliver evidence base as well. So I think it's really had a broad impact on the way I look at things. And um, from a, a career perspective, I think I've, I've shifted the focus so that now I'm working in this more policy focused role. Um, I feel that I've got a broader impact. But I have to say, I still keep my, my clinical toe in the water because I do some private practice as a CDE as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tracy, for your time again today. Um, it's certainly been fascinating to hear about your journey to the ADA president's role. Before we end, I wonder if you're able to give our members three take-home messages that may get them started on their own journey, perhaps, towards a, a national role. 
Thanks, Jan. Um, I, I really think that three take-home messages would be um, take up opportunities to expand your knowledge about how organisations actually work and uh, use your own employer as your study if necessary. <laughs> um, the second one would probably be that that observation of leaders with different styles. Um, doesn't matter from which part of the, the um, organisation, you know, internally, externally, other types of organisations. Um, when you observe them, think about what you would do or how you would approach things if you're faced with similar challenges to the person that you're observing. And the other important sideline to that, or not really sideline, but a key thing, is to consider approaching a leader you respect to act as a mentor. Um, and finally, I'd like to say, be passionate about the issues that you care about and work with others to help achieve positive change. Thanks, Tracy. I really do want to thank you once again because I'm sure that this podcast will help inspire our members to, to start thinking about work, working towards expanding their skills so that they're more confident to take on state or na national leadership roles. So thank you once again. Thanks, Jen. And I'd like to thank you, the members out there, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We look forward to joining you joining us again next fortnight when we'll be hearing from Karen Crawford, who will be providing some useful hints and ideas about effective diabetes policy development and review. So thank you once again, Tracy, and see you all next fortnight. Bye for now.